Welcome to Facilitating the Mission, the podcast of Shepherd Staff Mission Facilitators. My name is Brian Mondot. And my name is Jeff Jackson. Jeff, we're in, what, week four, week three? All the weeks are blending together. Yes, they are. How are you doing through all this? You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I, uh, I, you know, it's, it really, like we talked about last podcast, it hasn't really changed my day-to-day um, schedule or routine, but it has changed what I do day to day. And, uh, you know, specifically, you know, trying to stay on top of which of the missionaries that we serve are returning, um, which ones are staying, um, how their connection is with their home church, um, trying to encourage the home churches of our missionaries to, to step up their game in, um, connecting with them. And I've been blessed by some of the, uh, some of the things that I've discovered, that have been happening and challenged in other ways to, um, yeah, to, to try to maybe help churches and, or mission people that know missionaries and love them to sort of express that love now. Well, I have two questions about that. Okay. Uh, First question is, has that added any unusual stress to your life or? I don't think so. I don't think it's added stress. Um, well, I guess, I guess it is, it has in the sense that, I want to, you know, I feel a greater need than ever to, to, to be in the role that God's called us as a ministry to play. In other words, not to overplay our hand and step in and, and, you know, use the connection we have with the missionaries and step into a role that the church should be in. The opportunity to do that right now is really there in a way like never before. Um, and I don't want to do that. So I, I, I think there is a little added stress from from that. And then also, you know, trying to think through and come up with some really creative ways to nudge the churches, um, to take care of their folks in a, in a special way during this special season. So yeah, I guess a little bit of stress increasing, but not too much. Well, that, that was where uh, my first question was kind of, I was just wondering if having to influence, having to have new, new kind of urgent conversations with churches is added stress. But it also leads to my second question, which is, you know, how have churches stepped up? What are you seeing? What are some wins? Well, you know, it's it's been really a blessing in a couple of ways. One church in particular who has folks in France that we serve, they've, uh, and I talked to their folks that are in France, um, uh, are actually, one of the things they've done is they've, they've communicated to the missionaries, hey, we, uh, you know, we know that you're sort of locked down like we are over here. And and, you know, life, the rhythm of life is sort of broken up and stuff. So we know you're going to have some extra time. You probably have some extra time to read. And so what they did is they sent all of their missionaries uh, Amazon gift cards. Oh, nice. Yeah. They sent them Amazon gift cards so they could purchase books, you know, during the lockdown. Because a lot of them, like France, are they're in a, in a much tighter lockdown than we are here. And so, I mean, it's like being boxed up in your apartment kind of stuff. I wonder if there's like a quick link that I want to put a link links on the on the landing page for this podcast to to buy gift cards. So I'm going to I'm going to look for that. And if they have that, I'm going to, you know, if you're listening, let's look for a link on this landing page to buy uh, gift cards from Amazon. Yeah, that's and that's, you know, that that that's a big deal. And in fact, if you remember a few months ago when we uh, interviewed uh, the Trotters, um, and, and, you know, their book, we just thought their book was so powerful that one of the things we did as a ministry, and this isn't to toot our own horn, it's just to say, 
these are the kind of things that anybody can do and any church can do to bless their missionaries is what we did is we, we, we sent to all of our missionaries and we said, we as a ministry will purchase that book for you. So go ahead, go to Amazon, um, purchase the book, you know, in electronic form on your Kindle or whatever, and then we'll give that to you as a gift. We'll reimburse you for it. We think it's that important. Yeah. I, I love that book. In fact, I was just on, um, the Trotter's Instagram feed and he's looks like he's, he's home and he's living in somebody's basement right now. <laughs> you have any stories like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, we, we, we don't have basement stories, but that's a great, uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good segue into that, that idea that churches, if their folks are coming back, uh, that they need to consider, you know, what kind of situation they're going to step into here. And so, Another church that we serve um, actually has had a couple of their folks come back, and what they've done is they've rented Airbnbs for them because they're oh they're, no kidding yeah they're because you know all these Airbnb houses are sitting idle right now yep. their owners aren't getting any um, you know rental income or whatever so so there you go the church stepped up to the plate and instead of you know normally what would happen is the family that came off the field that needs to be quarantined would would land in the home of a family member. And then you've got that awkward situation of, you know, trying to be in isolation in somebody's home um, and the danger, because a lot of times the missionaries that are coming back um, are exposing themselves on the flights back to the virus, you know? So that's another practical thing is that uh, this one church in particular is actually doing that. They're renting Airbnbs for two weeks to place their missionaries in. And and from what I understand, the owners of the Airbnbs are happy to get the business at all, you know? So, and then they may give discounts and stuff. And, and, and there may even be church people in churches that have Airbnbs that would be willing to let their Airbnb houses uh, be used, you know, to house returning missionaries for their first couple of weeks back, maybe even, you know, just as a, as a gift unto the Lord and unto the missionary family. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. In fact, I wonder if there's a way to invite, you know, listeners, if they know of such, such things like this, to drop some links into the comments on our Facebook page. That's a great idea. And in fact, I thought I thought of that. Um, again, I don't know how to do all this kind of stuff, but one of the thoughts that I had is like to contact Airbnb or Verbo, you know, VRBO, and just, I don't know, their corporate people, whoever they are, and say, hey, you know, there's a lot of people coming back from overseas, um, including missionaries. And hey, can you put out a blast to your Airbnb owners that, you know, would they be willing to let their their houses be used by people returning from overseas, um, you know, perhaps at a discount even. So anyway, yeah. We'll put a link to Airbnb and all that on the landing page to this podcast, just so people, you know, they can get creative on their end too. Because they, you can also negotiate with the, the people that have the Airbnb. So, right, exactly, yeah. Because they set the price, other than the fees, you know, yeah. So, and I know Airbnb or those organizations that do that. They they have a fee, and you know, not that that fee, you know, maybe they would voluntarily lower their fee for renting out the house, but I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it's a great idea. So, um, and the other angle on that one is for uh, you know when. When they come back, if the church does that, um, then just for, uh, you know, safety's sake, like the house, the Airbnb could be stocked 
with groceries and everything before the missionaries arrive. So they don't have to meet it because again, they're going into quarantine probably. And then they don't have to go out, but all the food supplies and everything are in there and they're in there put in by church members ahead of time. Um, sort of as an, you know, sort of as a, you know, it's just an act of community service, you might say for one of their own missionaries, but the house is stocked and and the people get the, the act of the service of doing that. It's a great idea. And, and so this is something that some churches are actually doing right now. Yes, they are. Yeah. Good, good, good. I, yeah. I, I forget where we started with, was this an idea or was this yeah. a celebration of what's actually being done? And that's awesome. Yeah. So those are the two practical things that are being done. The, the gift cards for them on the field and then that. And then the other thing uh, that, you know, that we've heard is that a lot of our, a lot of our missionaries that have reported back um, on how their churches have done, have, have just said that the church has stepped up. Not all of them. I, I, I would say actually the majority of them haven't, but quite a few of them have stepped up their frequency of communication. Well, come on, the rest of you churches, let's all step up. <laughs> That's that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be challenging our churches with a letter, probably today, just okay. to do, just to do that. Yeah, send that over. We'll try to get that out over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Uh, and I so and I, and I just think there's probably a lot more going on that I'm not aware of. But you know, as I've talked to a few missionaries overseas now in the midst of it, and and. I mean, if if you just think of it, and a couple a couple of things you know sort of meld together here, um, and I think you and I have talked about it before. Missionaries live just by nature, by being by living cross culturally in another country. Your stress your stressors are much more than the average person that lives day to day life in America, right? We we've talked about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was you know my question to you was. Are you seeing that or are you seeing them? Ah, this is kind of normal for us. I mean, there's always some kind, there's always something on the field. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing. And, uh, is in the sense that not that they're not concerned or not that they don't have some anxiety, but it's not nearly at the level because again, so much of our peripheral life has been shut down here and that peripheral life, which is part of our real lives, but just the shutting down of it has, has caused, you know, panic among a lot of us and anxiety. But when you're on the field, you've learned to accommodate, you know, there probably isn't electricity. That's not a big deal. Um, I can't, you know, the idea of being, uh, I can't get gas. Uh, I can't drive my car today. It's like, it's like, well, so what? It's kind of like, that's life on the mission field. The one thing I wonder is like, man, some of the most, some of the most dangerous things that would, you would be involved in, in, when I was on the mission field in Africa is just driving in traffic. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, if you're going out as a missionary and having a car is, is um, having a car is it kind of sets you apart from the, the locals in a lot of ways. Um, but now the streets are a little more empty, probably not nearly as dangerous. Uh, not as many motorcycles riding around. Yeah, and uh, and and the effect of that—I mean, it's it's draconian measures in a lot of countries. And I I talked to one of our folks yesterday in a sub-Saharan African country. I don't want to name it because I'm going to you know say something that's a little you know negative. But they're—I mean—they're on a serious lockdown where like no vehicles on the road without permits by the government. So all public transportation, both like uh, taxi type things and motorcycle taxi type things, are all shut down. 
anyway, uh, apparently they, they, they hadn't thought through um, some contingency plans for emergency medical type stuff. And the long story short is this person told me that a woman who was pregnant and was going into labor couldn't get a ride to the hospital. And so she had to walk. And in the midst of her walking, she had some issues or whatever, and she ended up dying. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, it, it, because, again, it's um, it's draconian measures. And, you know, a lot of times things are put in place and you don't think about the ripple effects. So normally she would have been able to flag down a, you know, a, a, a taxi or a uh, or somebody, you know, new, that lives nearby her. And, and I think it's in more of a squatters area type situation. She could have got a ride to the hospital and she wasn't able to do that. And so that act of protecting public safety, uh, you know, may have cost the life of a woman that, you know, wouldn't have if those draconian measures weren't taken. So it's, you know, it's got a ripple effect. These things do have a ripple effect. But so, so what I was, you know, one of the the points that I was trying to make is that um, in this kind of situation, the stress level of, of your average American being shut down, and this is much more than the stress level of the missionary that's learned to accommodate a lot of flexibility <laughs> in just day-to-day life. And, uh, and, and then that, that's the other point, which I'm sure we've talked about before when people, when they, when psychologists or people have these tests that determine what your stress level is, and then they sort of give it a score, you know, missionaries are off the charts. Like, like your average person, if the score for 400, a, a high stress life has 400 points. If you're at 500 points, it's like you need to see a counselor. Missionaries navigate day to day at 600 points <laughs> because, again, they're very purpose-driven people. They're on a mission from God. They're they're willing to be pliable and flexible. Um, they have a greater meaning and purpose than just living day to day life. All those things. So those things in crises like this actually equip the missionary better than. Um, for what's good taking place than the rest of us. Yeah, they're already conditioned for crisis. Yeah, in fact, and in fact, I, I don't, I can't remember if I referenced this the other day uh, in our last podcast, which was only what six days ago. <laughs> um, but Jackson Wu, who we had on as a guest a while back, he did a blog post um, last week about the idea of um, like six reasons or six lessons that. Americans, uh, North Americans can learn from missionaries about living in a season like this. And so basically he and now a couple other people are on to the idea that cross-cultural missions training is is sort of what everybody in the country has entered into. And so miss- missionaries are now in this unique position of being able to pass on how to navigate things like this, which is a great idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that too. That's the using coronavirus for missionary training. Exactly. And then there's another article, which I'm I'm going to post on that um, from A Life Overseas on Monday that has a similar take. Yeah, Jackson Wu. I love his stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Really good stuff. So yeah, it's um, it's it's been uh, kind of interesting. The other thing, you know, that I've that I found, and again, I just... Uh, I'm sort of new, and as you know, my my technical skills are a little challenged uh, with, with uh, it's, well, I think you do I think you do great, so I don't even know what it's called this app, a communications app called WhatsApp. Oh yeah, WhatsApp. Now mm-hmm. now now I've heard it for years, and a lot of missionaries I know use it, 
Um, and I never took the time to really look into it. So I don't know, about six months ago, I actually started using it and, and it's amazing. I'm, t- I'm talking like probably 80% of the missionaries that we have use WhatsApp. It's so convenient. It, um, and, and I guess the people that are working in, you know, more challenging places, uh, with the government and all that kind of stuff, it's encrypted. So all that to say is one of the things that I'm going to recommend that the churches do is get a WhatsApp connection with their missionaries, because I've only met a handful of missionaries out of the hundreds that I know that don't have WhatsApp on their phone and they communicate with it. So, but you wouldn't know that you wouldn't know that because here in America, you can use FaceTime, you can use, you know, you can use all these other things. Yeah. That WhatsApp has come a long way. And I think... I think Facebook owns WhatsApp now. And then there's a new one that I guess has got even some other uh, flavors to it, and it's called Signal. Apparently that uh, is got some better security stuff even than WhatsApp. So, um, but anyway, yeah, so that, that's another area where just, again, the, the, the need has sort of generated uh, discovering new things that are actually really good and, and, you know, sort of is going to change the way we do things. Yeah. And and then there's publicity about it and then everybody's online now. So <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it's a flywheel effect. And, and, and so another, another thing that, and I, I actually was, I, I sat down on this for a little while last week is, there is, and again, I've got another blog post that I'm gonna that I'm gonna put up on our website on our Facebook page uh, next week. But just the idea of abruptly having to leave your place of service and come back to the states is a big is a big deal, um, emotionally, psychologically, and the idea of grieving, um, which you know Jonathan Trotter has writ- written quite a bit on that subject, is really incredible. Um, I don't know, has incredible insight on the whole thing of grieving. But the idea being that when missionaries have to come back abruptly from the field, um, there's great value in them getting some debriefing. And and so challenging the churches to take advantage of um, or encourage or somehow set up ideas for their missionaries to be debriefed, um, you know, obviously online. And I set in last week with sort of that one of those uh, debriefing happening with about eight families that had come back from different parts of the world. And there was a, a Zoom sort of group um, debriefing thing that was really interesting and I think very helpful. So that's another thing that we need to think about. And, and Jeff, that's that's part of what you do too, isn't it? It is part of what I do. Um, it's not my my forte, but yeah, I know how to do it. I've done it. I, I I think I have a little bit of a gift in that area, but yeah, helping. Yeah, I I like doing that and just letting people unpack their story, letting them talk about how they're feeling about it right now, and those kind of things is just it's it's just crucial. God's wired us to need to tell our stories. Well, just you in particular, and you know, not to not to be patronizing or anything, but I mean, you're a great listener. You're well read. I mean, there's a there's just a couple of components that, you know, making yourself available for folks to feel heard and be validated is super essential right now. In fact, even as we we started this podcast, we typically, if you go back go back and and uh, listen to all our podcasts, we're starting off talking about the weather, but you know, it's like every conversation starts these days not with small talk about the weather, but you know, how are you doing in 
and in, you know, in isolation, how are you doing? Um, and, and it's just such a bottom shelf kind of, or top shelf, I don't know, easily accessible topic. Well, and every, and, and the key is because as everybody's been impacted by it, no, nobody's life has not been influenced by this. And the only thing I could think of, um, that, that I think that, you know, people, you know, less than 80 years old, or maybe, you know, less than a hundred years old, that would be similar is like World War II. Like, like there wasn't one family, um, one person in this country or world, well, not the whole world, but that was not influenced by World War II. At some level, everybody had a family member that was in the war. Their jobs had been changed. Their Ford factory where they worked, they're no longer making cars. They're making tanks. Um, women are going to work. I mean, and, and there was all the rationing, you know, where, hey, you, could, you only got a pound of sugar a week. You only got to get, you got five gallons of gas a week. And there was this austerity um, that people accepted for the greater cause. They, they accepted self-denial and self-sacrifice for this greater cause. And there wasn't anybody that you could bump into that wasn't affected by it. And I think this is the only thing that that is at that level now since I've been alive. It's really tough for me to wrap my brain around it, you know, as I... I'll go on YouTube and I just see, I mean, just, you know, bazillionaire rock stars, for example, doing these, having to do these little, <laughs> little video concerts. That's the only way they have to promote their next album or whatever. And it's just, it's like that person is in the same situation as me. He has just as much access to pizza as me. I mean, there's the rare, <laughs> like mega millionaire that like are sitting out on their, their yachts or their carnival size cruise boats out in the middle of the ocean. But I mean, none of nobody is exempt from this and, and, and nobody is like not thinking about what's going to happen next or how are we going to get through this or what's life going to be like on the other side? There's, there's no, I mean, I mean, I mean, what about like unreached people groups? I don't know. Are they affected by this? I mean, somehow. Well, I would say I would say the, the they're probably the least affected um, people that live, you know, un, unengaged, unreached people groups that live in isolated places that didn't already have a lot of access, you know, a lot of travel or tourism hadn't gotten to them yet. So I would think you know, my, my guess would be that the major impact on their lives. Um, and again, people don't understand people, you know, most people don't understand there are still probably hundreds of thousands of people that don't have electricity that don't have the internet they, they they don't have a phone um and so so my as i've thought that through the only the only difference i would see in their life is probably their access to uh foods that have been you know that are brought to them if their diet if their diet is supplemented at all by foods from major factories in major cities or imports or whatever, that stuff's going to be changed, I would think. And then that would put them in danger um, of getting the virus. But without that, I mean, you know, you look at this, the stats on that worldometer. I don't know if you look at that, but it's the real time stats on the coronavirus, a lot of others, but, um, but they've got a thing on the coronavirus. And so you look there and you look at, well, where are the places where there's like, no, or the minute there's, you know, these Pacific islands and stuff, there's been one person with it, you know, two people, 
Yeah, with that with it no, and like no deaths. No deaths and one person has it. And again, if you trace it back, it's because probably, you know, they live they live somewhat isolated and probably the only way they got it was somebody came to visit them from somewhere else or you know, the food supplies that they get from other places were contaminated somehow. And you and you think of those little open air markets that are like they're kind of like a swap meet, you know. But, but I mean everything, you know, so much of so much so much I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking of little open air markets that I've been in remote parts of Uganda, um, which you know they're I mean they're not unreached, but I mean they are so remote, uh, and even in like the Middle East where there's not like say there's not a Christian witness, and we would consider them like unreached, but they still have like a trade relationship with China, <laughs> and they're still. There's still like, I mean, so the supply lines are affected. I guess the point is, is like, I'm trying to think of who wouldn't be affected. And it just, if you don't, you know, do commerce somehow, like, you know, we, we, we use the word unreached and, and we're thinking for the gospel's sake and where the influence of, of Christianity is. But even in those, those places where we don't have the influence, they still, um, at, a, at some place on the supply chain for some things, I, I would imagine. Anyway, I just, I guess I, I just, I'm trying to wrap my brain around who's not affected by this. Thank you for spending time with us today. Leave us comments on our Facebook page if you have anything to add to our list about being a blessing to missionaries.